Welcome back. This is the Designated for Assignment podcast. Josh Goldberg back with you. Been a little bit of time, couple of minutes, couple of months. We haven't done one since, I want to say January. So uh, obviously with the season set uh, to get going in St. Louis, figured we'd get back at it. And a quick update on the show before we really dive into some of the big things to talk about ahead of the season opener with the Cardinals. It's just going to be me this year. Uh, Rob Wong has uh, some other stuff that he needs to focus on, and uh, we wish him the best, and uh, he's going to jump on when he can, but uh, just can't devote the time necessary uh, to cover 162 games. It's a real grind, and uh want to thank Rob again. Uh, great stuff with him, and uh, the connection will always be there anytime he wants to talk Jays. <laughs> Uh, we're obviously going to do it and it's always going to be great. So all the best to Rob and uh, this show wouldn't be what it is without him. So thanks very much uh, to Rob. So some quick updates on the show. Uh, We're going to try and obviously do it once a week, if possible, that's the uh, objective. It's mostly going to be me might get some guests uh, throughout the season. One thing we will do uh, pretty regularly uh, as much as her schedule can allow it is uh have uh, Caitlin McGrath of The Athletic on to uh, really get a sense of what's going on with the team at various points of the season. Uh, Caitlin's one of my good friends and uh, have enjoyed countless Blue Jays-related conversations with her uh, over the years uh, back in my radio days and uh, obviously very excited to get her perspective as much as we can. Uh, Some new segments. We're going to try some different stuff this year, some trial and error, but it's mostly just going to be me on my soapbox uh, kind of yelling about the Blue Jays, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, it's going to be an exciting season. Obviously, a very different looking ball club to the one that uh, we saw lose, blow that eight-one lead. That's the last we're going to talk about it uh, to the Seattle Mariners. A lot of different faces, a lot of uh, stalwarts not here anymore. A whole different vibe around the team, different clubhouse. We'll see how much that actually ends up mattering. But uh, it's a more balanced roster, especially in the lineup, some more left-handed hitters to try and balance things out. It's not going to be as righty dominant as it has been over the last couple of years. We'll see if that works. Uh, I I think that this team is well-positioned to have a lot of success with the Yankees uh, obviously struggling in the injury department. They're a little bit older. I, I do think that there is a real opportunity for this club to win the division this year. I think it's going to be close. And I think anyone writing off the Yankees or uh, certainly the Rays is probably doing so at their own peril because uh, those are not teams that uh, I would overlook by any means. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Baltimore. We'll see what happens with Boston. I'm not particularly high on either one of those teams, but uh, wouldn't be that surprising if one or both of them end up winning more games than expected. We'll see what happens there. But I really look at the uh, American League East as mostly a three-team race between the Jays, Yankees, and Rays. As it stands right now, I give the Yankees the edge. I, I just think that uh, you know their their roster top to bottom, even though they're old and you know there's some issues there, I, I still give them the edge. I think it's going to be really close. Like it wouldn't be surprising if it comes down to the final weekend of the season between any of the uh, Yankees, Jays, and Rays. But right now, I've got the Yankees, then the Jays, then the Rays. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, obviously, a lot to look forward to. And now let's get into a conversation about 
whether this roster is better than last year's. And I think, yes, I would say the answer is yes. I I don't think it's substantially better as a lot of people might say, but I I do think that it's better. I I think that, you know, the balance and the way that it's constructed and, and the ability to play better defense, not that this was a bad defensive team uh, on the whole last year, it was better than it's than it has been over the past few seasons last year. But you remove Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez and bring in Dalton Varsho and Kevin Kiermeyer in your outfield to go along with George Springer. That is a huge upgrade. And uh, that's the type of thing that, you know, in important games, I think will matter a lot. And you have more athleticism. You have more fundamentally sound play in the outfield. That's going to save you runs and therein is going to win you ball games uh, over the course of 162 games. So in that respect, I, I do think that they're absolutely better. You know, I, I look at certain areas. Is the rotation better? I would say yes. You know, is Barrios going to be as bad as he was last year? I don't think so. He had the worst qualified ERA among any starter in Major League Baseball by a good margin. He was really, I know people will say, oh, look at his win-loss record. Look at the number of quality starts he had. If he has that season again, that is a disaster. I I don't, (laughs) I, I can't say it any other way. It's just not good enough when you're paying a guy what he's going to be making this season, he can't have an ERA above five. Like even if he gets it down to 4.25 or something in that range, I think that would work. And a lot of the projection systems have him in the low fours. you know, some have him as high as around 4.4. I think that would work. It would be not the best considering he's making about $19 million this season and you paid him and locked him up as somebody you expected to be, I don't know, maybe a number two or certainly a number three, but he enters the season as a number four. And, you know, if he and Kikuchi, who had a, I think it was a 0.87 ERA in spring training and and tons of strikeouts. Yes, there were still walks. He still walked 10 batters over the spring. You know, if those guys can be even league average starters, I think, you know, that's obviously going to go a long way to helping this club win the division. But you look at uh, Chris Bassett did not have a particularly good spring. His velocity was down. I'm not really that worried about it. But the fact of the matter is he is uh, in his now mid-ish 30s. Sometimes the velocity goes and you don't get it back. But he throws enough pitches. He basically throws the kitchen sink at batters that even if he's dealing with somewhat diminished velocity, I think just on guile and veteran experience, he might be able to get by effectively enough. So I I think he's a fine number three starter. You know, is there going to be regression when it comes to Alec Manoa, Cy Young finalist, a low two ERA last year? You maybe, but I just look at him. He just strikes me as an outlier type of pitcher. All the the models and the systems are down on Alec Manoa and expecting him to be way worse uh, than, than he was last year. And he's just one of these guys who manages to induce a ton of soft contact. And that's been his calling card since he got to the big leagues. I think he's 25 and nine as a major league starter. So I would doubt him at your own peril. I'm not going to do it. You know, I kind of did his rookie season. I was uh, one of the morons who said, I didn't think he would uh, debut in 2021. And, you know, he obviously did that. And I had egg all over my face and he's been 
one of the best pitchers, not just in the American League, but in the entire majors since he debuted in May of 2021. So him and Gosman is a real good one-two punch to have atop your rotation. I think Bassett, Barrios, Kikuchi will go a long way to determining what this ball club is or isn't this year. You know, they did try and address the depth this offseason. I don't really love what's going on. I know some people might be higher on it than I am. Uh, you know, you look at Mitch White's already hurt. He had the shoulder impingement. He's got some elbows, tightness, soreness, whatever it is. He's not going to be a factor, I would say, anytime soon. And then you look up and down the list and it's not amazing. You know, Zach Thompson, maybe there's something there. You know, I think he has some intriguing tools that could be a factor, but if he's your number six starter right now, I don't know how great that makes me feel. You know, Thomas Hatch, Trent Thornton, Bowden Francis, uh, Casey Lawrence, Drew Hutchison. Those are guys who in a pinch, I suppose, you know, it's not the worst scenario in the world if they start a game, but you'd like to have better, I would say, in the depth department. So that feels like a bit of, an area of weakness and maybe something that uh, wasn't addressed enough. I know some people are really expecting, hoping, praying, whatever you want to throw at it when it comes to Ricky Tiedemann to make an impact this year. I'm going to be cautious just because his workload has not really been built up. You know, he really didn't do that much last year. He's barely completed five innings as a professional and more than 80 pitches. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes up as you know, bullpen type of weapon in the later stages of the season. And he's not going to be 21 until August the 18th. So I, I would say that, you know, that Manoa comparison isn't necessarily a fair one because Manoa is a much more polished product at uh, the point when he got called up, you know, as a college pitcher uh, had a lot more, just uh, he looked more professionally ready, I think, than Tiedemann does right now. So I don't think it's a disappointment or anything of that sort if Ricky Tiedemann doesn't debut uh, at some point this season. So, you know, from the pitching perspective this year, um, you know, a lot of people will look at the bullpen also and say, is it better than it was last year? And I would say yes. And I've been kind of weighing this a little bit throughout the uh, the offseason. I, I do think that it's better. If this was the final product come uh, the second week of October, whenever the postseason starts, do I think that this is a bullpen that is good enough to really pitch deep into October? There I might have some doubt, but I do think that it is absolutely a good enough bullpen to get you into the postseason, I, I think it's a top half of the league bullpen. Like I, I think it's better than average. Would you like more velocity? Would you like more swing and miss? Sure. Uh, you know, a lot of the projection systems are down on this bullpen, but when it comes to forecasting relievers, I think that's a fool's errand because, you know, it's just, just so much volatility year to year that, you know, proven guys could fall on their face and unheralded guys could come up from out of nowhere. And, uh, and really deliver some value. But I think, you know, Swanson had a weird spring. I don't, he hasn't pitched in the last couple of weeks of spring, but there's no indication that there's any sort of injury there. I think he's going to be a really impactful piece, especially against left-handers. And, and uh, a lot of folks will say, well, there's only one lefty in the bullpen and that's not good enough. And, 
you know, in theory, that's true, but you have righties who have good splits against lefties. You know, Swanson is good against lefties. People don't like Trevor Richards. And I understand Trevor Richards had a real bad year last year and had some issues this spring, but he is good historically against lefties. And uh, as basically your eighth option in the bullpen, uh, that's not a bad situation to have. Adam Simber, good against lefties. And then you have your your proven guys, your Romanos, your Garcias, to an extent, Anthony Bass, and then obviously Meza, who have the ability to get lefties out at a reasonable clip. So I, I think that that is somewhat overblown. And this bullpen probably not is definitely not going to look the same in October as it does at the end of March. So I think right now it's in a pretty decent shape uh, heading into the season. We'll see how it ebbs and flows. You know, our guy's going to come up. Uh, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be underperformance. You know, Nate Pearson, I thought, had a very good spring. You know, there's still some concern, I would say, questions about just his mechanics and his delivery and how repeatable is it and how consistently can he be in the zone. But he threw really hard and missed a ton of bats. And I think he's going to be a, a real big piece at some point this year. And, and you know, you Hayden Yinger, I think, is a, a, another piece that uh, that could be somewhat intriguing. Uh, there are guys, uh, Zulueta, there are guys that I think aren't around right now that probably will come up. Jay Jackson, obviously, the Fernandez guys, Junior and Julian. There's depth. Jackson Reese, Luke Bard, Paul Fry. There are guys that, uh, that I think are going to make an impact. And there's more depth in the bullpen than there has been in a long time. So I do think that the front office did a relatively good job in the offseason in terms of addressing that area. So, you know, there's the pitching, the best in the league. No, but I think it's better than better than average, perhaps even well above average. And uh, I think it's in a good position to allow this ball club to rack up some wins uh, in the regular season. And, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, certain machinations of the lineup as we get into that. I, I like where the lineup is. You know, I don't think that there's a bad configuration when it comes to how John Schneider wants to uh, set his order. The Like it's going to be Springer, Bove, Laddie to start. Then it gets a little bit more interesting. I think it's probably going to be Brandon Belt in the cleanup spot. You know, Dalton Varsho had a spotty spring, but he really found it, I would say, at the end and started hitting the ball hard, had better at bats, got his first home run. But I, I have Belt, then probably Kirk batting fifth. Then I would say Varsho six, Chapman, Merrifield, Kiermeyer. And, you know, seven, eight, nine of Chapman, Merrifield, Kiermeyer is really good. And I know Kevin Kiermeyer's battled some injuries, was not particularly good uh, last year at the plate. But I, I think that as a number nine hitter, you know, he has what it takes to roll the lineup over and get on base enough to be a factor for your big boys atop the lineup, Springer, Bo, Vladdy. So they're in a really good spot. You know, I look at Merrifield in particular as somebody that uh, I think can really be an impact level type of just all around player. He was good defensively uh, last year, really struggled at the plate before the trade. But once he got here, I think he posted a WRC plus more than 20% above league average uh, as a Blue Jay. You know, I don't think he's necessarily going to be the player that he was in, in 17, 18, and 19. 
But I wouldn't be that surprised if he gets back to somewhere around 2020 when he had a 105 WRC plus hit 282, you know, hit nine home runs, stole 12 bases in 60 games. Like it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he hits 15 homers and seals, you know, 25, 30 bases and is a real uh, contributor. And, you know, with Santiago Espinal also capable and probably going to play a lot against left-handed pitchers. Your second base spot is in a really good uh, situation. Kevin Biggio as well, I think, can can have some value. I think he's going to be really uh, a beneficiary of this shift elimination. You know, he got eaten up over the years a lot with balls hit into the shift, and I think that he can uh, probably have a few more hits and might have a higher batting average. Uh, as a result of it, I just think there's more versatility uh, on this roster. I, I just like the way that you know, there's a lot of guys who can play in a lot of different spots. And you know, Nathan Lucas, I think, is a good 26 man as a pure fourth outfielder, defensive replacement type, speed on the bases, and and I think that that's why you know they went with him over Otto Lopez is because. The 26 man on this roster, as is uh, currently constructed, best case scenario, how many at bats is that player going to get in a given week? You know, maybe five tops. It's more of a defensive replacement, pinch run type situation. And Otto Lopez, I think right now, I was surprised by it. I, I, I think that, you know, I expected Otto to, to be the guy, but afterwards looking at it, it makes some sense to have a specialist type. Uh, as your last man off the roster and allow a younger player like Lopez to play regularly at AAA and and not have a situation where he goes cold on the bench and maybe it hurts his development uh, to some extent. I I do think Lopez is going to be up at some point this year and is going to probably have some good moments for this ball club. But right now, I I do think that Lucas is a better fit for uh, what they want to do. And, you know, I'm looking at things and spring results, spring stats. I, I don't really give a shit about those, to be honest. Like that doesn't matter to me if a guy hits 12 home runs in spring, you know, it's great, but I'm just more looking at the process and looking at, you know, the at-bats. And if you're a pitcher, how's your command? How are you spotting your stuff? You know, are you, are you feeling confident heading into the season? And, and that's why I don't put that much stock into somebody like Bassett. Um, you know, Kikuchi's results are obviously very intriguing, but I need to see a decent sample size of regular season success before I anoint Yusei Kikuchi as back or, or you know, somebody that you can really be confident in. I, I still think that there are issues there with command. I do think that the pitch clock will help a player like that who admitted that he dealt with, um, you know, some confidence issues at times last year and was taking too much time. Like he was an agonizing watch last year. It was just so brutal to watch him really struggle to, you know, pitch with any sort of conviction. He was going through his signals and just didn't seem to have any faith really in anything. And that led to a lot of walks and a lot of long at bats and a lot of pitches and just being inefficient. And this spring, for the most part, he got the sign and attacks. And if he attacks, he has the stuff to be really good. And that's why the Blue Jays are giving him another chance. In addition to obviously the financial commitment, but they recognize that his stuff is worth pursuing because it's just, it's a rarity to have a left-handed starting pitcher who can 
reach the upper 90s and have a wipeout slider and and be able to rack up strikeouts uh, in your rotation. So they're going to do everything they can to try and give him the opportunity to maximize his potential and his stuff to resemble the pitcher that we saw in the first half of 2021 when he was an all-star caliber pitcher. It's been all downhill since then, you know, outside of May last year when he was really good. It really hasn't worked, but they're going to give him an opportunity. I don't know how long the leash is. I think probably longer than we might think because the reinforcements, the depth just isn't overflowing with guys who I think are all that likely at least early in the season to do enough to knock him off. I think he would have to be really terrible in the first month of the season for that um, to be reevaluated. So I'm not really putting that much stock in his uh, spring starts and results, but I am putting more in how he looked and how he attacked and, and cautiously hopeful if not optimistic that maybe there's something there that can translate to the regular season. One player that I am really excited about, and I think everyone is excited and it's not a hot take or anything to say this, you know, Boba had a great spring and yeah, he hit a lot of home runs and his numbers were good, but he had so many good at bats and it wasn't a case of, well, you know, he's working deeper counts and it looked different. It looked like Bo Bichette when he's locked in, you know, he attacks early in counts and that's when he's at his best. There's all always been this you know, myth that he's better with two strikes. He is not his numbers with two strikes are terrible. Basically when he's good, he attacks early within probably the first three pitches of an at bat. He does his damage. And there weren't that many wild flails early uh, in spring. He just looked so locked in that, it resembled the the player who finished the season last year as I would say the best hitter in the league. Um, maybe Aaron judge was really also really good in September, but outside of that, Bo Bichette was the best hitter in the majors in September. And it really helped to put an uneven inconsistent season um, in the rear view mirror. And his numbers at the end of the day were really good. Uh, he was better from a WRC plus perspective uh, than he was in 2021 when he hit 29 homers, scored 121 runs, knocked in 102. He didn't steal as many bases last year, 13 compared to 25 in 2021. But I do think that with the uh, bigger bases this year, he's a candidate to steal 20 again. And I, I just think that he's primed for a just absolutely monster season. I think that the contract situation and just being locked in for the next three years at um, an agreed upon number and not having to worry about going year to year and the arbitration process. I think that will provide some level of stability and comfort. And Bo is a motivated player. He plays with a chip on his shoulder and is looking to, uh, you know, really play. I wouldn't say angry, but he plays very, very, you know, aggressive. He's an aggressive player in every way at the plate, in the field, on the basis. Sometimes that might hurt him to some extent, but I like that style of play. And, uh, you know, he goes out there with a purpose every single time. And I think that, you know, that's the identity that this ball club is looking to have. And I think, you know, with players like Kiermaier and Varsho and Belt, you proven veteran types. I, I, I do think that this team's going to play differently this year. And we'll see, like I said, if, if that ends up, mattering over the course of 162 or making a difference uh but they clearly 
wanted to go out and address things, the front office in terms of how this club, uh, you know, is uh, constructed and they did that. And now it's up to the players to go out there and, uh, and get the job done. And another player that uh, I think is uh, obviously going to be very fascinating to watch this year is Matt Chapman, who had a solid enough year, you know, was a good defender, was not the caliber of just basically an absolute it was like uh, a football comparison, like a shutdown cornerback on one side of the field. You basically just never have to worry about it. That was Matt Chapman at third base for uh, the majority of his career. And he was still very good last year, but he wasn't as just insane as he was in certainly 2018 and 2019. But he was still good enough. And I think his presence made the Blue Jays, especially in the infield, um, you know, a better defensive team, you know, Boba Shett had his moments, but I, I still think with Chapman, they were just a more competent defensive club than they were, uh, in the certainly 2020 and to some extent, uh, 2021 as well. But you know, he had a difficult spring in terms of his stats. He had some rough at bats. He, he, we made no secret, or it was pretty obvious that there was uh, some changes at the plate in terms of his stance. It looked like he added a bit of a toe tap. Sometimes you know, you're working on some mechanical stuff in spring. The results aren't really uh, a guarantee to be there, but if you're feeling confident in your process, that's really all we can ask for. And I, I think you know Matt Chapman had enough of a spring sample size to implement those changes and. You know, I feel pretty good about where he's at. He's obviously going to be super motivated to produce because he is the top dog at third base in the free agent market next year. Manny Machado's off. And if Matt Chapman, who's going to be 30 as he hits free agency, has a good year, you know, post a five war season and bounces back to some extent defensively, he's in a real good position to get a ton of money and a long-term deal, whether it's from the Blue Jays or somebody else. So I, I think... There's a pretty good chance we're going to see a better version of Matt Chapman uh, than we did last year. I think that the Roger center dimension changes will help him because how many balls did he hit to deep center, deep right center field that got caught or, you know, he just, I, I think got a little bit unlucky last year and moving the fences in will lead to more extra base hit pop. If it's not home runs, I think we'll see more doubles from a guy like Matt Chapman, 27 home runs last year. Wouldn't be surprising if he hits 35 this year, maybe even flirts uh, with 40 because he got off to such a cold start last year and then really found it in the middle of the season and then cooled off again uh, towards the end of the year. But he still posted 4.1 war according to fan graphs. And that's still really good. And it wouldn't surprise me if he has a five win season like he had in 2019 when he had 5.7, 6.3 in 2018. I don't know if he's going to get quite to that level, but even in a somewhat of a mediocre year, he was still worth 4.1 last year. So uh, I think he's in a good position to have a solid season uh, in 2023. And uh, I, I think it's going to be exciting to see what he can provide uh, defensively for this club. Okay, so I, I wanted to debut this new segment called Goldberg's Grumblings. And uh, if anyone's listened to me long enough over the years, you know, I have a, you know, I can be a bit of a grouch sometimes. I try not to be all the time, but sometimes, you know, it kind of shines through and I, I figured I would play into it uh, on this podcast this year. And I really only have one grumble heading into the season. And it's the talk about 
you know, how the culture was the biggest issue last year and, you know, the Blue Jays needed to get rid of some guys and take things more seriously. And I know the home run jacket is gone and there's all that talk about how this is going to be a more serious club. And maybe that matters, but I don't think that the reason the Jays lost last year was because of the home run jacket or because, you know, Teoscar Hernandez threw seeds on guys after they hit home runs or Lourdes Gurriel Jr. played, you know, sometimes can be a little bit aloof out there. I don't think that's the reason that the Jays, you know, lost in the playoffs. They lost last year in the playoffs because of a bad decision when it came to the bullpen. It just snowballed. And I don't think that, you know, Teoscar and Lourdes being gone is going to lead to a lunch pail, take it more seriously, 115 wins because those guys are gone. I, I think that that narrative is a bit overplayed, honestly. Like, I, I, I think that there might be some merit to it, but I think it's, you know, expecting that this club is going to look demonstrably different and play completely different in the way that those guys are, guys are gone. I, I don't know if that's um, really going to come to fruition. You know, I think that at its core, this is still a club that's going to try and hit lots of home runs. And, you know, people will say, oh, well, they'll be more aggressive, more speed on the base pass. Maybe to some extent, like Dalton Varsho and Brandon Belt are power hitters. Yes, they provide more balance from the left side of the plate, but they're still guys who are going to hit home runs and Lourdes and not so much last year, but Teoscar power hitter, you know, this is still a club that I think is designed at its best to score lots of runs. Maybe it's not quite as many home runs, but I don't think this is all of a sudden just going to be some small ball team that, uh, you know, takes the extra base all the time and hits and runs all the time. We might see a bit more of that, but I still think that this is going to be, a team that looks to bludgeon offensively and uh, tries to hit lots of home runs and score lots of runs. And uh, I just thought that you know, that narrative of the clubhouse culture needing to change and um, you know, the changes being made is going to lead to this team looking so much different. I, I thought that that was a little bit overblown in, in the off season. That's just where I landed on it. So We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I'm going to put this out every time we do a podcast. If you know you have something you're grumbling about, um, you can get out there. You know, I have one actually from Jerry Jackson, and he basically said, "Oh, I'm over 50, so grumblings is my wheelhouse." So I'm basically tapping into the middle-aged person who is, uh, you know, grouchy all the time or or most of the time. So. You know, we're, we're tapping into that, which is fine by me. Uh, Derry says, I love this team, but man, their base running is bad. I'm interested in seeing how aggressive they are in real games. They all seem to think they are faster than they are. Blow through coach stop signs. Vladdy shouldn't be stealing, hit and walk. And, you know, it wasn't a great situation last year in terms of the base pass. And I, I do think Lourdes and Teoscar um, were culprits a bunch last year in terms of some of those uh, plays, those boneheaded brain fart type plays. Varsho, I think is a really good base runner and will make a difference. You know, Brandon belt, that's not really his game. Kiermaier, I think uh, will help, but I, I think, you know, it's all relative. I don't think that, you know, Kevin Kiermaier is going to be running like crazy uh, on the base pass. Varsho might run, but I, I don't think that, you know, he's going to get on and just going to be looking to steal two bases all the time. I think it will help, but I, I just think that 
you know, fundamentally, this isn't going to be a team that is singling the other way and that's how they're going to score their runs. I, I just don't see that uh, changing uh, all that much. You know, I would love to see some better management in terms of some of the signs getting from third base coach Luis Rivera. I've made no secret over the years of uh, being puzzled by uh, some of the decisions there, but I think that that is what it is. There's going to be plenty of times this year where you're screaming at your TV or your radio or what have you and saying, holy hell, how did you make that send? That just is what it is. Maybe the likes of Varsho and Kiermaier and their speed will help to mask some of that, but there will be plenty of times uh, where you're scratching your head and wondering why a certain decision was made. But We'll get to grumblings throughout the year. Uh, I'll put it out on Twitter every week as as we try and get uh, a little bit of a different segment on the show this year. Uh, I think it'll be fun. And uh, before we uh, sign off for the week, and we'll get uh, we'll get a post mortem St. Louis early next week podcast. Uh, I'm going to get uh, try and get one up Sunday or Monday. Just want to give a couple of quick predictions uh, for the season, and uh, obviously have to start with one. Related to Bo Bichette, I was singing his praises earlier in the show and uh, going to build off that. And I think he's going to have an AL MVP finalist type of season. I know everyone will uh, say, oh, well, if anyone's going to be uh, an MVP candidate on this ball club, it's going to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who finished runner up to Otani in 2021. And that wouldn't surprise me either. But I just think that Bo is so primed for the type of season. You know, he's led the American League in hits the last couple of years. He could easily hit 30 home runs. He could easily steal 20 or more bases. He could easily hit 300. He just has the skill set that if he puts it all together and is more consistent this year than he was last year, that he has the capability of being right in the mix with the likes of, you know, Otani, who I do think that if Otani has the year that he had last year, he's going to win MVP. The, the only reason he didn't last year is because Judge had an all-time season and the likelihood of somebody doing that again um, is very unlikely. So Otani is the favorite prohibitive favorite to win the American league most valuable player award. But I do think that Bo is primed to be competitive in that conversation and be there with the likes of judge and Jose Ramirez and Jordan Alvarez and Vladdy to some extent. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's there and I'm, I've got him down as a top three finisher in the American League MVP race. Uh, my next, I've got three. My next second prediction is that Vladdy gets back, hits 40 homers. And I don't know how hot of a take that is, how bold of a prediction it is. Uh, Caitlin has him hitting 50, which is definitely very bold. And I, I'm a huge fan uh, of predictions like that. But he hit 32 last year. His launch angle went back in the toilet. His ground ball rate was up over 52% after being down around 45% in 2021, I think there was some slight alterations. He's not that far away from the hitter he was in 2021. He just has to make some slight tweaks in terms of how he, you know, hits the baseball and he gets right back there. 32 last year in 160 games. And it was considered, you know, a bit of a disappointing year. He was 32% better than league average in terms of uh, offensive production. In 2021, it was 66% better. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a 150 WRC plus and hits, you know, 42 home runs. Do I think he's going to get back to 48? Maybe not. 
But I, I do think that 40 is very much um, within the realm of possibility, if not likelihood. And, you know, he talked about putting too much pressure on himself last year and that hurting him. And, you know, we all remember the trailer movie stuff and he wasn't getting into any of that bullshit uh, this year. He basically just said, we're going to let our play do the talking. And I do like that, you know, young team, you got to take your lumps sometimes. Sometimes there's some immaturity. You learn from your mistakes. You learn from past experiences. And I do think that there is something to be said about this young core taking some lumps in the last couple of years and figuring out how uh, to approach things. And and I do think that, you know, Vladdy learned from last year. And I just think there's going to be a more business-like approach from him at the plate. And I have him down 440 home runs. And uh, my final one, this is probably the boldest prediction is that Zach Pop strikes out at least one batter per inning pitched and uh, finishes the year with an ERA under 3.50. And, you know, you look at the year that that Zach Pop had last year, it was pretty solid, but, you know, in terms of strikeout numbers, not what you would want from somebody who has upper 90s fastball he only averaged 5.77 strikeouts per nine innings pitch didn't really walk anyone had a 2.77 era but i just i look at what he did this spring outside of the uh, outing against the yankees where he gave up back-to-back homers to judge and rizzo i thought his stuff was a lot better we'll see how much that slider can develop i, I think that that's really the pitch that is going to make or break how he does in terms of his ability to jump up a tier as a reliever and rack up more strikeouts and be somebody that uh, the Blue Jays can trust in high leverage spots. But I think that there's enough there in terms of his raw stuff to be somebody, if he makes you know, 45, 50, 50 plus appearances who can strike out at least a batter per inning pitched and have, you know, maybe a 3.4 or 3.35 ERA. I think he's going to emerge uh, as a real weapon in the bullpen this year. It's just, it's so rare to have upper nineties heat with sync that can induce ground balls uh, and also get some strikeouts. He just needs to find a way to pair that sinker with a good slider. And I think, you know, he's made some, some steps so far in spring, the slider has looked better and we'll see uh, if he can really have a breakout season and become a pitcher um, that uh, is mentioned in the same breath with some of the other um, high end relievers that the blue Jays have in their bullpen. I'm feeling good about it. Uh, if you want to get your predictions in at J Goldberg 12 at DFA underscore pod, it was good to be back. Very, very exciting. Uh, Caleb McGrath will be on at times throughout the season. For the most part, it's just going to be me. We will be back after the St. Louis series. Can't believe the season is here. Can't wait. Excited to get into it all year. Excited to tweet it up with you, as always. Blue Jay Twitter remains undefeated. I'm Josh Goldberg. This has been the designated for us on the podcast. We will talk to you soon.